Cross Country Consulting is a trusted advisor to Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors. The firm solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value with tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transactions. Working as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team, Cross Country helps you to see around corners to generate value for your business. The future-ready business, in sight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to Office Hours, where we sit down with the chief executives shaping the world and answer your most important questions about leadership, careers, and life. I'm Mike Steib, and I'm grateful for the opportunity today to interview Carolyn Starrett. We've all heard someone talk about their job and say, well, it's not like we're curing cancer. As CEO of Flatiron Health, Carolyn and her team are quite literally helping to cure cancer. So Carolyn, we first met before you were CEO. We did. And now you're here. And I didn't even know. You popped up in my LinkedIn feed. And it's like, now you were the boss of Flatiron. I thought that was the coolest thing. And now we're on the pod. Yeah. Well, and I'm really excited you're here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is a treat. So um, we had a bunch of questions from the audience. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, some people wanted to hear how you got started. Some people want to know how does Flatiron work. Um, and if it's all right, we'll let it rip. Sounds great. So Isaac in Columbus, Ohio asks... I was curious, what role does Flatiron Health play in the cancer treatment ecosystem? Thank you. So a basic blocking and tackling question. Tell us, tell Love us about it. Flatiron. Um, always delighted to talk about what we get to do. Uh, so uh, Flatiron was founded about 12 years ago now, and our mission from the very beginning has been to learn from the experience of every person with cancer. Okay. And we have two kind of two halves of the business. One half is that we build software uh, that is used to manage patient care um, in cancer centers and to handle clinical decision support and treatment, help with treatment decisions. And then we have another half of, of Flatiron, which um, takes and curates data that are generated through that routine care to think about how can we anonymize them and harmonize them and, and link them to other data modalities to figure out what's really happening. How do we help life sciences companies bring uh, and make novel new therapies available to patients um, in a faster way and with a better understanding of the actual mechanisms? And data, it's a... It's an amorphous concept, probably for a lot of our audience who's not in it with you. 
what is it that you know? You know, for someone who has a certain type of cancer, what treatment they've taken and what results they saw. What are the what are the various facets of data that are going to help you? Yeah, get so to we actually build an electronic medical health records system, which is think of it as like the ERP or the CRM system of a cancer center. So okay. we know everything that you could know about a cancer patient, and you know where they come from, their demographics, um, their treatment, their uh, outcomes. Now. What you find that's uh, both incredibly challenging and a real opportunity is that those data aren't easily accessible. Most of the data live in uh, a PDF document or a lab PDF or in, in places that you can't actually access. Um, so we do a lot of a lot of the work we do is thinking about how to use AI and, and natural language processing to to pull data out, thinking about right. how to stitch together other data sources. That so when you say missing. it's like a CRM, like most companies have a sales team that knows every single thing about a potential client before they reach out and try to sell them. And you're telling me the hospitals didn't have a simple thing like that for a cancer patient. Well, in general, if you go back to the High Tech Act, let's say this is probably 15, 20 years ago. I mean. This is a case of government regulations actually doing their job. There were large incentives, which said hospitals and uh, cancer centers as well had to roll out electronic medical health records. Before that, you would go into your doctor's office and it was a wall of charts and it was written documents. And and yeah, none of it lived digitally. Wild. And so you'll find you use that ERP system um, or the CRM system, you, your, your machines will go through the data. Mm-hmm. And what, what types of things will they learn? Um, so first off, I mean, from a from a patient perspective, before we do anything with the data, we de-identify it and we go through pretty rigorous processes to ensure that the data are stripped of any sort of personally identifiable information. Okay. Um, but then we go in and and we can we can do things like look at the impact of social determinants of health on how someone's uh, someone's outcomes, time to treatment, for example, in cancer. Um, we can do things. Um, one of, one of the most classic examples is there aren't enough men who get breast cancer to run a clinical trial that can tell you with statistical significance what the uh, what the results would be of, of different therapies for okay. breast cancer. So we were able to look in the data and say, actually, what do you do if you show up with cancer and, and you're a guy who doesn't have an approved therapeutic option? You do the best you can. You apply, the, the clinician would apply judgment. And so we were able to look in our data to see uh, all of the men who had had breast cancer and to see their outcomes and then work with the FDA to approve a label expansion to um, approve a drug called palbocycline for men. And a lot of our, a lot of our listeners um, have on their minds, I see it and hear it in the questions that we get, sort of the uh, having purpose and mission in their work. And I'll, I'll just read off one of, the, one of the DMs that I got from uh, Tara in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, did you always know you wanted to work in this industry and, and how did you find your path into this role and what do you what advice do you give to emerging leaders who are trying to find uh, their place yeah so i actually uh, spent most of my career prior to joining flatiron in working in enterprise technology companies and the thing that connects all of the experiences through my career has been this fascination with solving problems in smarter ways. Mm-hmm. Like how do we how do, how do I use technology to transform the experience I have day to day? How can we use technology to just get um, smarter about how we experience the world, mm-hmm. um, how we build new businesses, build new new products. And so, you know, each step of the way I've I've been fascinated by honestly like very challenging complex problem spaces and 
uh, I, I got to a point, I was working at a predictive analytics startup here in New York before deciding to come to Flatiron. And um, we were building these really cool predictive analytics models, uh, working with e-commerce sites and trying to figure out how to, how to uh, shape the consumer experience. Um, and I just, I, I thought, you know, there's so many really important problems that we can go after. I wonder if there's a way that I can, I can, you know, find my way to a place that inter that uh, blends health and data and technology. And and so I found my way to, to Flatiron through my network, and and then have now spent eight years. Um, you know, learning in, in the classroom of the work that we do with cancer centers, the work that we do with uh, life science customers. You didn't you didn't come in as CEO. No. We cover this at the top. So how what was that? What was that path for you? Actually, so I should I should out you a little bit here. Funny story. The the way that we connected initially, I came in initially building the customer experience with the cancer centers that we work with. So parlaying my mm -hmm. tech and software experience into rolling out these these software systems at cancer practices, um, and I uh, I worked hard and was curious and you know tried to tried to create as much value as I can and and got promoted into a role um, leading as a GM that side of our business and. Um, at the time, I looked around and everyone was uh, super frustrated about career development. Mm -hmm. And a mentor of mine pointed me to your book, The Career Manifesto. Jason, at some point. right? Um, actually, Jason was our CFO. It was another, uh, Lexi Reese, who I think you worked with oh. at Google. I'd sat down with her. And one of the things you say in that book is actually follow the advice people give you. And so her advice was go read this book. And so I went and read this book. Oh, that's wonderful. I was uh, I was like literally on vacation in, in Spain, I think. And I was like, ah, oh, this is perfect. You did such a great job of distilling just all these things that I kind of think I intellectually would know, but you had just written in this beautiful, very simple, like quick to digest format. So I read the book, I gave it to my whole team. And then another uh, colleague introduced us and you yeah, sat down and we're like, so great, uh, so generous with your time to, you know, help me think about how to scale up. So long story short, I was, I was at that point, um, uh, running a G, uh, stepping into a role as a general manager on, on top of one of our businesses yeah. and trying to figure out um, how to how to level up as a leader. Um, Flatiron was acquired about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I I had the opportunity to really build and scale my team. And I loved what I was working on. And so I oddly never felt bored. It's the it's the first time that I can look back and say there were just there weren't moments where I was like I don't have something new to learn, and so I, I stuck with it. And then um, three years after the acquisition, our two co-founders uh, decided to move on to the next thing, and and I got the opportunity to step into the CEO role. Well, I love. I mean, I love the story because I'm in it. <laughs> I also love it give you a little credit. I also love it because uh, California Senate candidate Le Lexi Reese is in it. For her career manifesto has been pretty amazing, hasn't uh, it? Indeed. So yes. wonderful. So all these terrific people have been um, in some way colluding to make sure you're the CEO of, of Flatiron Health. When you, I mean, when you read the book or when you were thinking about your career or you were thinking about people yeah. who work with you, uh, people who work with you, their career frustrations, what was the takeaway for you? What would be your advice for somebody else who's on the come up trying to figure out her career, what, what do you tell folks? I, I mean, I think the number one thing, and this is what you say at the very beginning of your book, is you, you got to take ownership for your own career. You, I am the CEO of my own career. Yeah. No one's going to do it for me. And I think so often it's easy to look to others to solve, you know, to, to yeah. solve the what next or to solve, like, how am I going to stretch myself and find some new growth opportunity? And, and what I've tried to remind myself over and over again is that's actually my job. 
and it takes work and it's like you gotta you gotta carve out time to set goals and and get creative yeah. and make connections and invest in in development but i think what i've seen over and over again is that when i do that the opportunities start to come my way because i i don't right. wait for someone to you know hand it to me i say oh this looks really interesting i'm intrigued by this let me go see if i can if i can solve this problem if i can make an impact and then all of a sudden it you know always leads to new things that's awesome Okay, let's go to the next one. Evan in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, first time caller here. I was wondering, what have been some of the big wins and setbacks you've seen over the last few years in your career? You know, I think you kind of, you do, you have to go to COVID because it's been such a defining moment in terms of company culture and how we collaborate and how we communicate. Um, I stepped into the CEO role at Flatiron in April of 2021. Uh you know, just over a year into COVID. And I spent the first year and a half, you know, thinking about how I bring together our leadership team, you know, re reset the long-term strategy, reset our priorities, all, you know, without the opportunity to bring the team together. And, you know, we had gotten pretty good at learning how to work remotely and, you know, hybrid meetings and all these things that we take for granted in some ways now. But I still think there's, there's, just no substitute for being able to sit down together with a team when when it comes yeah. to really complex trade-offs and 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 creative thinking and and complex um, interdependencies and and so that was that was really challenging. Let me ask you because work's a grind, like all day, every day. Were there moments where you were like, "This is today's a big win." Today was, today's amazing. Well, well, when are the times when you get to step back for you professionally that you've experienced, like, here's a moment that I can be really excited about. We can all be excited about. I try to really actively look for them. Like everyday moments, right? I think I have a, it sounds cheesy, but a, a practice of gratitude. Like, let me write down the three things that I'm most grateful for or proud mm -hmm. of any given day. And I, I like, genuinely makes me feel better. Um, but I also try to look back every week and say, what are what is a moment that just I can I can really celebrate with the team? We have uh, we have a ring the bell channel in Slack at Flatiron where oh, yeah. we post all the big customer wins or, you know, the big uh, regulatory approvals that have happened. Uh, so, you know, I had one I came earlier today from um, a customer council, we bring together uh, all of our uh, key customers in New York about once a year to do demos of all the new mm -hmm. products. Um, and I got to see a demo today of, of new functionality that we've built and then this really cool partnership we're launching to, to solve for clinical documentation using AI. Mm -hmm. um, and every now and again, you just see this step change advance that is going to foundationally change the experience of of uh, treating patients and sitting in a in an exam room with a patient and that was that was one of those moments earlier today that i just i sat back and i said wow this is like That's this really is big cool. selling the company must felt pretty good too um it did i was at the time i was a member of the executive team but uh uh you know it's funny that selling the company it's it it feels amazing in some respects, but I also think those milestones get built up into an event that is, it's, it, it can come across as if it's the end, when in actuality, it's just the beginning. And, and I say that, you know, having yeah. now been five years out from that event, I think about how much has changed. And I think about how, you know, the real beginning of the impact we get to have was 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 that event in some ways, you know, because we, we knew we had a long-term future. It, it, it wasn't actually the, uh, yeah, any sort true. of an end. 
Cross Country Consulting is a leading provider of specialized finance, operations, and technology advisory services. As a trusted advisor to Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors, the firm solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value with tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transactions. They are a distinctly different type of advisory firm founded on a core set of values and an unwavering commitment to creating a better experience for their people. Their unique culture enables them to attract and retain the best talent in the industry, who in turn provide exceptional service to their clients. Working as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team, Cross Country helps you to see around corners to generate value for your business. Headquartered in Washington, D.C., Cross Country has employees across the United States and in strategic international locations. The future-ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. We're going to go next to Naomi in Indianapolis, who says, What trends in technology should we be watching in the near future? Past guests have talked a lot about AI and how it's shaping their companies. So what does AI do today to help curing diseases like cancer? Yeah, well, so maybe I'll, I'll expand on that example I just shared, and I can, I can give you one other. So in the context of, of um, oncologists sitting down with cancer patients, one of the, the biggest challenges is the documentation burden that happens. There's so much that has to get documented in a system. EHRs get a terrible rap for this. It's, it's painful. Um, and you hear, you know, so many stories about physician burnout because what ends up happening is you spend all day and in a room with a patient and then all night going home to document all the things that happened. So this like this pilot that we just did this or that we just signed and, and the um, demo that we did this afternoon was a kind of mock of a patient experience visit with an oncologist and a patient going through an actual visit to say, like, here's my condition, here's my past medical history, here's all the steps that led up to today. And, and we, we went through a 10-minute example. 
All the while, the ambient scribe was listening to that example. And then we looked at the output of what happened at the end. And we reviewed a physician note that came out of that exchange, which, uh, which was not perfect, which was not perfect at all, but which got like 80 or 90% of the work done with no effort. And so it, it, it was, it's a total game changer because instead of starting from scratch, dictating or typing up, you know, the entire assessment and plan and, and next steps, you start with almost a finished product and then you just scan it and review it. And, you know, it's in, there's a lot of complex language in oncology and, and there, are, it is not perfect. I think one of the things we always have to remember is that, um, so an example, it got 80 or 90% of it right, but it got the name of a drug wrong. In mm. the context of a, of a patient treatment decision, you got to get the na- name That's of a, a drug one. right, right? And That's a lot a of these one. drugs sound kind of similar. So, but at the same time, the, the doctor can qu- like quickly catch that and, and check it. And so I think the real promise is not AI in and of itself, but AI is an enabler of everything just being so much more streamlined and, and so much smoother. Um, another example is, you know, I, I mentioned we, we try to learn from all of the data that we see across all of these patient experiences in our network. And historically, because we wanted to be really careful about accuracy, we, you know, built an entire team of oncology nurses who would log into certain elements of the chart and review uh, the data field. So review kind of the line of therapy or review the progression of disease. Um, and now we've built ML models that can do all of that work and we can measure their accuracy against the human labeled and curated data sets we have. And and we're finding that sometimes the models are even better than the humans at doing this work. And what that means is instead of sampling and, you know, being being constrained in, in how much data we can look at, we can look at all of the data across all of the patients that we happen to see and, and pull that together and um, and truly learn from the experience of every every patient. This has been a theme on the podcast and uh, all the leaders we've talked to about this have, have have interpreted the the future in that it's going to be a complement to your work. It's going to superpower your work. We're not seeing a lot of examples where it's going to sort of replace the human in the in in the process. Yeah, and we've talked about it in content creation and art and on and on and on. Um, and it sounds like you're seeing healthcare go the same way. I think so. I think what it replace. I mean. I think in so many fields, it's a new competency that we all need to figure out and get conversant in. And I think AI is not replacing humans, but it will significantly challenge people who don't know how to use it appropriately to be more efficient and to do their jobs with uh, with all of the, you know, additional uh, power and and efficiency that can come when you're using the technology appropriately. And when you zoom back and you think about what the healthcare landscape will look like in 10 or 20 years. What will it be like? What are your expectations? I think data and technology will be much more ubiquitous. It has taken far, you know, we talked about electronic medical health records and digital uh, digital um, data sets rolling out over the last 20 years. Despite all of this progress, they're still super fractured. We still use fax machines. In, in in doctor's offices. So I think we will finally see the ubiquity of, of data exchange and interoperability between systems and the ability to parse those data in ways that actually make them usable. Um, and at the same time, I think we will have to depend on technology to do a better job um, 
determining the best treatment options for any given patient, determining, you know, how to make a decision about how to design a trial um, and how to find the right patients. I mean, I think these these are topics where the the degrees of um, the, the number of variables that need to get considered, you just can't process it mm-hmm. in the human brain. And so I think um, I think we're going to see a continued push to try to embed that that change in, you know, all of the ways in which healthcare impacts our system, whether it be the experience in a doctor's office, the experience in a clinical trial, the experience with your payer. I mean, it's it's one of the most backward uh, industries still in, in terms of how far we are now. And I, and I think um, there are a lot of blockers to progress, but we're finally really well positioned Why to see are, you, change. You compare, you compare healthcare to other trillion dollar or multi-trillion dollar industries. All of the others seem to have become modern technologically, efficient. Competition has driven the right outcomes. It doesn't seem to be happening or happening very fast in human health. Why is that? Uh, Incentives, I think, is the primary one. If you think about the U.S. healthcare system, we are optimized around a fee-for-service model for the most part. This Mm -hmm. is changing, but for the most part, a fee-for-service, which means you or I show up at the doctor and and the doctor bills for a procedure or a specific appointment or a specific uh, medicine that they give us. and we've had a really hard time looking across the system to actually think about value and patient outcomes. And, and so as a result, it's really hard to, to, to figure out the right interventions and the incentives aren't in place for uh, care coordination across multiple different individuals who need to think about, you know, different elements of a holistic care. And, and so you, you'll hear the, 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 theme of value based care in healthcare. And what that actually means is, new payment models, which say, we're going to look at the overall outcomes in a population. And, you know, the the experience and the payment will be dictated by the outcomes, not by the individual steps and interventions that a, a practitioner is taking. Um, but that runs through the entirety of the healthcare system, you know, the in- entirety of kind of how the, the payer uh, payers are structured, the entirety of how... Um, uh, physician practices are optimized. Frankly, the the patient experience is crazy because we don't see our bills. There's no other industry where you don't see the bill for what you're consuming in the industry. One of our uh, listeners texted in a question uh, that's related to this. Luis in Austin, Texas uh, asked, what is the regulatory landscape around health tech and what changes in regulation could accelerate better patient outcomes? So super complex. Um, if you, I mean, I think you can come at that from so many different ways. There's the regulatory landscape for approving new medicines. There's the regulatory landscape for um, uh, approving, you know, new uh, digital technology devices. And you know, where might they need an approval? There's the the landscape for how we think about interoperability between existing software and systems and and different vendors. Um, so we could come at that from a, a num- there's the kind of landscape in terms of how we think about the government payment models, the mm-hmm. Medicare, Medicaid. Um, so I think healthcare is just one of the most regulated fields that exists. And so all of these different legislations and, and, and rules need to come together to drive innovation, to drive collaboration, to, deli- to drive coordination of care. Um, and that leads to a kind of complex, uh, complex system. Fiona in San Francisco, California, 
called in with this one. Mindy Grossman talked a few episodes back about the challenges women face on the path to CEO. Have you found it harder to lead and rise in the industry as a woman? I have a tactic that I use, which is that I always try to focus on the things that I can control. And I think it's it's easy to kind of fall into a mindset of, of I'm the victim of a situation, you know, why is this wrong? Or to, to I, try, I try to um, make sure I'm focused on where I get to be an agent of outcomes. And I find that makes it much easier for me to, to, to feel like I'm the agent of my destiny and yeah. I'm not, you know, uh, you know, stuck, uh, reliant on the situation that I've been in. And so, you know, I think that has helped me really focus on, um, where I can take agency, where I can drive impact. I've leaned into relationships. And as a result, I, I've never actually felt like I have been held back by, by you know, nature of, of sure. my gender. That's a really privileged position to be in. I think I've also been exceedingly lucky in the mentors and sponsors that I've found throughout my career. And, um, and you know, so so often I think the thing that we need to do as women is pay it forward with with each other. You know, there's there's something really powerful about helping each other, you know, get to that next step, see see something in a new way. And and so I've had so many incredible people support me in that way. And I and I try to think about how I can how I can give back the same. Sure. Well, if being a woman has held you back, it's hard to find the evidence. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it, leading the industry, doing amazing work. It's seems to have worked out for you. And so your and, and your advice is to tap in, uh, pay it forward and, and seek mentors. And is that? Yeah. And I think it comes from mindset. If if you have a mindset, which is that anything is possible, that can, um, you know, help, it helps in manifesting those possibilities. I'm also hearing you say, though, it's not just believing that it can be possible, but it is it is being the agent of your destiny, being the CEO. Yeah. You're, you were the CEO of your career long before you were the CEO. Mm. And I you know, as a parent, I see this in my children's lives. I, I worry a lot when, you know, I just see seven-year-olds, moms and dads tying their shoes for them before the match. I'm like, they can tie those shoes. You know they can. And and, and uh, the thousand other examples yeah, yeah. where there are these moments where you could tell tell a kid, like, you're in charge, figure it out yeah. or not. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm sure everyone always thinks this about the next generation on the way up, but I, I don't see enough little kids believing that they have agency, that they should be the solution to their problems. I'm figuring this out now. I'm a new mother. I had a, I had a son this year, um, my first. He's about five months old now. Um, and I can say, you know, in some ways I've, that is a, that is a choice that I made. I've, I'm an old first time mom. And so I had the luxury of really leaning into my career over the last decade and not trying to figure out how to juggle both sides of, of, um, growing my family and, and, you know, what I want to do professionally. And that, like, frankly, that's a lot of time that I, I got to devote that I wouldn't have had. Now, as I think about how do I want to shape my son's Hudson? How do I want to shape his life? How do I think about, you know, ruthlessly prioritizing where I show up and how I show up? Um, it's definitely teaching me a whole new set of skills. I love it. Well, one thing I can certainly advise is at this age, when Hudson's like reaching for a toy and can't quite get it, don't give it to them. <laughs> I swear, I, mm -hmm. I feel like it made such a difference for my kids that they had to like drag themselves across the carpet to get that yep. toy. You're forming these synapses early. 
Yeah, my ours right now is is he'll wake up in his crib all the time and he wants to practice his roles and he wants to and and just like he needs to stay and he's going to learn to be comfortable and roll around stay and in do the his crib. own thing. And, I wasn't and, a, I wasn't as good at that. I, I just the kids wanted to come in the bed. I was like, come on, come in the bed. It's okay. <laughs> my wife was always like, no, we have to train them. I'm like, it's not. There's no there are no 17 year olds still getting in bed with their parents. They're going to figure uh, it out. But I, I was soft on that on that front. But I think it, uh, it was selfish. Cross-Country Consulting is a leading provider of specialized finance, operations, and technology advisory services. As a trusted advisor to Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors, the firm solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value with tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transactions. They are a distinctly different type of advisory firm founded on a core set of values and an unwavering commitment to creating a better experience for their people. Their unique culture enables them to attract and retain the best talent in the industry, who in turn provide exceptional service to their clients. Working as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team, Cross Country helps you to see around corners to generate value for your business. Headquartered in Washington, D.C., Cross Country has employees across the United States and in strategic international locations. The future-ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You're going to like this question from Aiden. (laughs) Aiden in New Jersey. My CEO always looks so stressed out. Do you like the job of CEO? I don't think I would want that job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is so funny. Honestly, I did not think I wanted the CEO job. Um, 
when I when it was offered to me. It wasn't something I I I appreciate the autonomy. I care a lot about having latitude to do what I want to do. I loved my job as a general manager owning strategy in an end-to-end business unit, but I always looked at the CEO job and said that looks really lonely and I thrive in the relationships that I have and and, and I wanted to be part of a team and so I was not uh, pushing to to step into this role. And I wasn't sure if I would like it when I agreed to do it. Uh, I didn't feel like I could say no. I was, you know, inspired enough by what we're doing that I wasn't going to walk away from the opportunity. But I really right. wasn't sure if I would like it. Uh, and I would say the first year was was steepest learning curve I've ever had in my career. It was incredibly challenging. Oh, it's, it's really um, hard the first year in that job. Yeah. And we had a bunch of, of leadership transitions and I was hiring and I, you know, there were three to four open roles on my team at any given point in time. Yeah. So that I was, was no, I was no good at it. I don't know anyone who was good at being a CEO at first. Or I, even general manager. I get just that that next level of leadership where you have cross-functional responsibility and yep. it's really hard. I think each one of those inflection points and I, and I think over the arc of her career, it's a it's it's. an amazingly rewarding thing to look back and say, oh my God, that was so hard. Now it's two and a half years ago. And now I feel like I've, I know how to do that thing. What was so, so hard two and a half years ago, like doesn't feel that hard now. And I would say I'm actually really enjoying the job now that I've, I've built the team and we have a really clear and compelling strategy. And so it started to be a lot of fun. I hope I don't look as stressed. I, I bet I did look pretty stressed out the first year. I don't think I look quite as stressed out now. Yeah, to be clear, Aiden doesn't work for you. So Aiden was <laughs> talking about his CEO. Uh, it may work uh, for me. It's a common name. Uh, <laughs> um, the last one is from Vivian in Boston who says, Hi, I was just wondering, will all of these advances in data science and technology lead to a cure for cancer? Um, I hope so. Biden and and this administration has announced the cancer moonshot. And the stated goal there is to reduce cancer mortality by 50% over the next 25 years. And I think there are more and more cancers where we are talking about cures. At the same time, I think there are more and more cancers where we have the opportunity to have um, very extended lives that are that are uh, that are you know very high quality of life for a much longer time than we could ever have contemplated before. Right. And I think that's the that's the end game. How do we improve outcomes for patients? How do we improve quality of life? How do we give patients more time with their families and their loved ones? And um, and that is changing all the time for the better. And and so that's what I find really really inspiring. And I, I understand doctors are are telling patients all the time now not to not to Google the likely outcomes from cancers because the because the the medicine has gotten so much better so fast that mm. the that the, that the the life expectancies are changing rapidly. Yeah, Google can can cannot be your friend in some of these situations because the personal consider the treatments are more personalized. There are more and more precision therapies, and and so actually the range of outcomes looks looks wider and wider. Well, I'm just I'm glad that a, a good smart person like you is contributing to this. It's, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I suspect every one of our listeners has somebody in their life they worry about, and yeah. I'm glad you all are doing the doing the good work. Thank you, Carol. This has been really fun. Yeah. Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is a treat. Thank you First, for having me. First, you read the book. We met. You read the book. Yeah. Then you came on the pod. What are we going to do next? <laughs> I don't know. It's the beginning of a wonderful friendship. Oh, I love it. Friends, that was interesting in a number of ways. I, I didn't appreciate all of the advances that are being made in data and technology under the under the hood in the healthcare industry. and. Helps explain why the outcomes are getting better and better for patients. Uh, 
One of the things I took away personally, Carolyn talked about being the agent of your own career, the CEO of your own career. And it's it's something I certainly believe myself and and I so regularly see in others who find success professionally that they did it with a plan. We've talked about it here on the podcast before. I always drop in the show notes the link to my book, um, but I'll tell our listeners, if you want a free copy, you just hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll send it to you. There's, there, there's a way that you can lay out a plan to get from where you are to where you want to be by taking that leadership, not in your job, but in the overall direction of your career. And I, uh, and I really want to encourage you to do it because we all get one shot to have a real impact in our careers, uh, an important impact the way Carolyn is. And you could be doing something like that too. All right, guys, we've got some amazing guests coming up the next few weeks. We're going to cover some New Year's resolution stuff soon. I think you're really going to enjoy. I just, you know what to do. Text or call in your questions at 213-419-0596. Or you can hit me up on LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. at Mike Stibe. I want to thank Carolyn, who was wonderful today. And of course, I want to thank Jen and Kara, Meg, Jada, Matt, and the whole team at Blue Duck Media for putting this all together. Dylan, Sasha Gay, Nathan, and Christine at iHeart. I want to thank Bahid in the studio, mixing it up for us again. And I'll thank Ben and the team at William Morris Endeavor for all their support. Office Hours is a production of Blue Duck Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. Happy holidays, everybody, and stay on your grind. Cross Country Consulting is a trusted advisor to Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors. The firm solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value with tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transactions. Working as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team, Cross Country helps you to see around corners to generate value for your business. The future-ready business, in sight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.